babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Buzzards Day, Joe. What is that? Like uh, like the birds that eat dead carcasses? Them's the breaks. Them's the ones. Okay, that makes sense. We're going to pick away the the, uh, the dead carcass. Can we still do another, like, pick the beat off the bones of the Global Poker Awards That's still? That's pretty much exactly what we're doing, yes. <laughs> and I'm glad you didn't sneak any more surprise, heartfelt messages into the top of the show <laughs> that I'm not prepared for, where the only thing I can think to say is, me too, which would have been wildly inappropriate. Luckily, you self-censored and you didn't do that. <laughs> Sorry, I no, didn't mean to blindside you, but no, I have no soapbox to stand on this week. Maybe next time, episode 270, Uh-oh. maybe I'll try and Uh-oh. sneak something in. Coming up on today's show, my jet setter lifestyle, courtesy of PokerStars, continues. And let me tell you, it's been a wild few weeks since Paris. You already heard about Vegas, but I think the last time we spoke, I was in Mexico for Maria Ho's birthday, yes. and it only got more exciting from there as I was asked to be a part of Poker Stars Canada's Red Spade Pass experience, a whirlwind, whirlwind, world, a whirlwind trip. And let me tell you, it was a lot. And just to be clear, this was an experience that was meant to involve minimal traveling for you because the whole idea is that they were coming to L.A. and you live in L.A. You just forgot that you were in Mexico that week and had to fly home. It, it, it wasn't exactly that. More on that later. I'll get to the entire story. But yes, there were there was a little bit more travel involved than I thought. But before all of that, though, uh, was the Global Poker Awards. Yes. Congrats, James. Thank you. Uh, and we thought it might be good to highlight one of the other winners from that night, a young lady who has burst onto the content scene and has been after my own heart with a lot of stuff she's been putting out there. Global Poker Award winner in the rising star of content category, Caitlin Kameski, is on the show today. Yeah, plus, as I said, we didn't really do this properly last week, so let's run through all the other GPA winners. And also... Touch on a few other news stories from the poker world. Uh, yes, and finally, this week's super fan. All she wants is to win prizes, answering questions about Duran Duran. W- will I come undone? Uh, her name is Marlo Nielsen, and it should be clear to everyone that I didn't write that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually genuinely forgot to look at what the super sans, super fan subject was till about five minutes ago. So okay. I'm probably getting my ha- ass kicked. Had you known in advance, would you have listened to the entire back catalogue of Duran Duran? Fuck no, I might exactly. have read the so Wikipedia page. So it makes no page. difference whatsoever. <laughs> uh, by the way, on the subject of pop culture, um, and one of the reasons why I do want to cover off all the poker news stuff this week is next week, movies and TV. Details later on. Okay, so... Last week, I was in Mexico, and later yeah. that day, I had to fly back up a day early to do the Red Spade Pass thing. I say had to. I was perfectly happy to do it because it was such a cool thing that was going on. However, in typical Stapes fashion, so we're in Mexico. The house we're staying in is about an hour from the airport, and uh, Maria and uh, Tiffany Michelle, who you may remember from way back in the day, who was also there, were kind enough to book me a car from the house to the airport, and as the car was arriving, I get a message from United Airlines that says, your flight has been delayed by two hours. I was due to land about an hour before this basketball game started, uh, the very first event that was supposed to be there, 
And I was like, man, if it's delayed two hours or it continues being delayed, I'm going to miss this entire thing. So I quit. And it was delayed because of a crewing issue, not because of like weather or anything. So I booked myself a new ticket. Um, I didn't want to miss this. JetBlue had seats available. I booked myself a seat on JetBlue, but I'm sweating. I'm like stressed out. I'm like, holy shit, am I going to make this? I'm emailing people. You know, my phone's been having problems. I don't know if I talked about it on the show or not, but my phone shuts off every 20 to 40 minutes. Sorry. When you say your phone has been having problems, can we just clarify that at some point you dropped your phone, shattering the entire back of your phone, Meaning that it now overheats massively and automatically switches off every few minutes. Correct. Sure. Fair enough. That That's the long and the short of it. But so but just to be clear, Joe, you discovered this in Paris and you're still using that same shitty broken phone? Yes, because my phone doesn't stay on long enough for the transfer of the data to happen. <laughs> so I've been like spending the last week scrolling through my 15,000 photos and deleting them like a couple of dozen at a time, hoping that eventually I can get the the storage size down small enough that I can actually not lose all of my data. It's a fucking mess, James. You know the phone won't back up unless it does the whole thing at once. Yes, I know. Like, it can't do a little at a time. That's fucking stupid. Anyway... So all of this is going on at once. I'm sweating. It's Mexico. I'm a little nervous, obviously. Uh, This car is coming. My phone's barely working. And I get to the airport, and everything's good, and my flight's about to board. And right as my new flight is boarding, I get a message from United Airlines saying, your old flight is now ready to board. (laughs) They removed the delay. So I just torched like $500 for no reason, taking... A JetBlue flight instead of the United flight ended up being worth it because as soon as I landed, unfortunately, I had to saddle my girlfriend with all of our bags. She was like struggle with four bags because I had to go directly to the Crypto.com Arena, formerly Staples Center. The first part of this Red Spade Pass trip for these lucky people, um, five winners and their guests got to go to a luxury suite at Crypto.com to see the LA Clippers versus the Toronto Raptors. This uh, entire experience done in conjunction with the Raptors organization. The It's the Maple Leafs slash Raptors, all owned by the same people. Luxury suite, not just the regular luxury suite where like they wheel in like a bar and you serve yourself. No, this one fully catered, uh, fully stocked bar with bartender. And the people that were there, the winners, were... Um, Super, super um, excited to be there. But they also had left Toronto that morning. Uh, right. They had an 8 a.m. flight. So some of them had been up since like 1 or 2 in the morning. Um, got to bring some people that had been on the podcast before. Danny Zucker was there. Um, my friend David Pressman, who has been uh, referenced a few times on the show, were there. Uh, there was a, a reporter and an influencer that they brought. Like they brought some mainstream media people to get some buzz from it. And um, I got to go to this event to sort of lubricate things. And I'm glad that I did because the reporter and the influencer were like sitting there on their phones, not really having much of a good time. And I was able to get everyone involved and get everyone into into having their, uh, you know, it. it, it Rejuvenate everybody. Am now, I right in saying that the Shabanimal was part of this? Yes, trip as and of well. course, Arlie Shaban was there, and there was one uh, of the winners 
who had won his way on PokerStars. Right. Most of the winners had won their way through the Raptors, either the Raptors app. One person was one of those lucky seat draws where you're like sitting at the game. They're like, if you're in section 227, row four, seat M, you've just won a trip to... So with the exception of the person who qualified via Stars, these are non-poker people? Non-poker people, yeah. For the most part, non-poker people. And that will be relevant later. So the funniest part about this particular night was that I had been told that uh, the the very cool Poker Stars uh, suite that we were in could accommodate up to 50 people. And so um, about three quarters of the way through the game, I had a friend who was passing through town. She was on a road trip. And I was like, hey, if you're passing through downtown L.A., why don't you just pull up real quick and I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. get you into this game. So I go to the people, the travel agents who are running this event. And I was like, hey, do you think I could sneak one more person here? And they were like, no, we're all out of tickets. And I was like, uh-oh, sorry. Looks like I might have overstepped. And I felt really bad. So for the rest of this trip, I'm trying to kiss their butts. I'm just absolutely trying to make up for this little faux pas. So the next morning, so everyone after the game, they then have hosted drinks at the hotel. So I joined them for that. Uh, My friend I tried to sneak in uh, joined us for that part. She ended up driving us home. And the next morning, we had to be up bright and early. We had to be this private airfield in Los Angeles uh, at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning for our private flight to Las Vegas. Very cool. Uh, we are joined by Jack Armstrong, who's the voice of the Raptors. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You're the voice of the Raptors. I'm kind of a voice for poker. We kind of do the same thing, and we kind of bonded over that. And luckily, on the flight, the uh, someone from the Raptors organization made a very important announcement, which was, we want you to have fun on this trip to Vegas, but also, if you're too drunk to get on the plane later, you're going to be stuck in Vegas. There's nothing we can do about it. You're going to have to. You know, and I was like, you know what? That was really smart to do because on a trip like that, people can tend to overdo it. It was 10 in the morning. The flight attendant on our private plane was already offering people drinks. I'm glad they made that announcement because I can, spoiler, um, nobody overdid it. Everyone was on, not I wouldn't say their best behavior, but they had fun without, without disrespecting anyone or any of the trip or anything. So, we get to Las Vegas. We immediately hop into three gigantic limousines because there's about maybe there's like 20 people on the trip total between staff and winners and media. Me, obviously, hanger on. Uh, and they take us to Resorts World where Leon from Resorts World gave us our own private two tables, our own dealers. And at this point, I say to the crowd, who has never played poker before and who wants to learn? And about 11 hands shot up. So I did a a very impromptu poker tutorial, taught about 10 or 11 people how to play, um, at which point we played a a sit-and-go tournament for an autographed Raptors jersey. And I basically what happened, James, you would have loved this, was... Everyone's had a blast, blah, blah, blah. The, 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 the structure was just fast enough. We had about two hours for a two-table sit-and-go. It was just fast enough. But what happened was by the time we got to heads up, the structure for some reason just came to like a grinding halt. And oh, no. so I had to pull Lee on a side and go, look, we, we got to wrap this up. And blinds were like at 400, 800. And I think once it get heads up, it's like put them on a three-minute clock. Just get the damn thing done. Yeah, so, well, instead of putting out a three-minute clock, 
we went from like 400 to 800 to like 5,000, 10,000. I mean, that's another way of doing it. I mean, I think putting the blinds up every few hands is probably preferable. But if you'd already been playing for a long while before you realized there was a problem, I can understand why you pressed the panic button. Yes. And the cool ending to the story was the young lady who won her name was Kiana. She had chosen to come. She had won her trip via the Raptors app and chose to bring her dad with her. And they were absolutely lovely, sweet, very gracious people. Kiana was playing poker for the first time and did end up winning the tournament. And the jersey she won was her favorite player on the Raptors. She was absolutely thrilled. So uh, they brought in pizza from uh, Mulberry Street Pizza, which is one of the best pizza places in America. They have a location in Resorts World. So that was cool. These Canadians got to sample some excellent New York-style pizza. Then we had some free time, okay? Now here's where there's a problem for Stapes. Please, please tell me you stayed away from the MFing slot machines. So I went to the MFing slot machines, and and I was like, look, uh, I'm just going to stick $100 in. And uh, $2,000 later, it wasn't $2,000 later. It was $1,100 later. I had lost all my money and um, I was already feel just feeling very, very stupid. I had like an hour and a half free. All I had to do is not lose $1,100. But wait, James, but wait, I was like, well, cool. Now that I've lost all my money, now I just want to sit at a slot machine and, and just, um, and, and just play like dollar twenty five video poker uh, while I have still forty five minutes to kill. So I put in my I didn't have my players card in before, and I put in my players card now, and it turns out I have three hundred dollars in free play <laughs> that I didn't know about. You know James, why you're getting that three hundred dollars in free play, right? You know it's yeah, not- because of the eleven hundred dollars I lose yes, every time yes. I walk in the door. So. Happy ending of this story. I put in the $300. I used it to play a little bit bigger than I normally would play in video poker. I hit four aces for $1,000. Okay. All is well in the world. I lo- I left only down 100 Very, very happy with that. Then we hop in the limos again, at which point they take us to Nobu. Oh, wow. And I'm wondering how they're going to work it at Nobu because I know that there's at least one dude on this trip who will absolutely take the piss at dinner. And I'm like, how are they going to police, you know, taking a huge group of... Tw- Look, I know that there's a lot of money being spent on this trip. But no, those days are long gone of 20 people going to Nobu. Everybody order whatever they want. Luckily, it was a set menu. And they did a great job with the set menu. It was Excellent. all this... It was like... Of the seven things in the set menu, four of them are on my list of like things you have to get at Nobu anyway. The rock shrimp, the miso card. Correct. Yes. Correct and correct. Absolutely. So then we go from Nobu to O. Appalachia. Yes. How th- this is this is an incredible. You've had a chance to play poker. You've had some free time. You've had a meal at Nobu. You're going to a show. Yes. This is this is so a now- pretty cool day out. So now, meanwhile, the whole time I am, like I said, I'm kissing the travel agent's butts uh, because I feel a little awkward about the night before where they were like, no, you can't get another friend in here. Um, And they've genuinely done an amazing job thus far of getting people from A to B to C to D, the set menu. So I'm kissing their butts. But here's the thing. So I go I go to to the person from Poker Stars PR who's there and I say, look, I think this is really cool. We all go get to see. Oh. But I have seen O five times. Do you mind? I don't want to be ungrateful, but do you mind if I don't stay for O? I would much rather 
it's an amazing show, and I'm so happy. I'm so jealous of everyone seeing it the first time, but like, I just don't really. And he's like, no problem. Don't worry about it. Unfortunately, as I'm, so I go in and I sit down with everyone. So I look like I'm going to see, oh, and as I'm leaving, I run smack dab into the same travel agent who's are, who I've already annoyed. So now I've asked to get a friend in, and now I'm also just like walking out on the show. Oh, God. <laughs> to be so fair, just, at least if you're sat there watching a show for the sixth time, you can't lose any more money. That's true. So I I did end up lose. I did end up uh, winning a little bit more money while they were in the show, but I was playing very small, so I couldn't lose big or or win big. But um, so then we get out of O, and they take us. They're like, "Hey, let's go see the fountains real quick." They lead us all, everyone down to the fountains. Which song was like, it? The fountains experience is purely dependent on what song you get. That's a great question. It might have been Duran Duran's "Ordinary World." Now that I think about it. That is really, really freaky. By the way, it is objectively the correct answer to say that the best performance of the Fountains of Bellagio is the ecstasy of gold from the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was definitely not that, and at least it wasn't Lee Greenwood's proud to be an American. Um, th- those are like the nut high and the nut low yeah. of the Bellagio Fountain songs. So then they're like, um, okay, everyone, we're a little ahead of schedule, but it's a private plane, so we can leave whenever we want. We're all heading back. Right. To L.A. Now, twice in two weeks, this has happened now. Where uh, do you remember? The, you remember the Global Poker Awards, right, James? Vaguely, it was. A, it feels like it was two months ago, but I think it was less than a week ago. Okay, so for the Global Poker Awards, I was able to book my flight out of Burbank, which is much closer than LAX. I could you could park there very easily. Um, and so when my girlfriend and I landed on Sunday morning, I got off the plane. Uh, I got off the plane and I looked around. I go. This isn't Burbank. And she's like, yeah, we're this is LAX. And I'm like, God damn it. We parked our fucking car at Burbank. Shit, 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 shit. So I had to take an Uber home. And then I had to take an Uber to Burbank the next day to go get my car. Huge disaster. Well, same thing happened with this <laughs> private plane. This time it wasn't my fault. There was bad weather at our original airstrip. So the private plane brought us back to a different airport than we had landed in of which my car was stuck at the other fucking place. Okay, let's accentuate the positive. You got to go to another basketball game, right? That's right. So that then everyone was exhausted this particular night. I ended up having to take the shuttle bus back to their hotel with them so I could get picked up by someone. And no one went for post-game drinks, even though it was only 10 p.m. And then finally, yes, the last day was yet another VIP basketball game experience Lakers versus Raptors. Um, I don't know what our group did, but uh, the post drinks, hosted drinks, were canceled by the hotel. And luckily, my friend Jay Flats worked at Staples Center for like 10 years. And he was like, there's a secret bar on the roof of the Ritz-Carlton, which is also attached to this complex. Let's go upstairs. So we went up to the Ritz-Carlton. Um, and uh, I bought another round of drinks and some uh, some food for everybody. I mean, this um, sounds like it was an amazing experience, Joe, for all of the people who won these red spade passes who got to come from Canada to L.A. It um, was. I mean, I'd, the li- best- I'd like to think they left very, very happy. Yes, th- and they were. Everyone was super happy. Everyone, it, it, even like the hosted guests, were crazy happy, had the experience of a lifetime. And I will say what made it the best, James, was that not to stereotype too much, but the fact that these were Canadians, 
They were so polite, so grateful, so happy to be there. Every single one of them individually at some point came up and said, this has been a great experience. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for teaching us poker. Wow. I mean, we introduced a bunch of new people to the game of poker. Two people literally were like, how do I download Poker Stars? I don't know that the that the spend to acquisition ratio necessarily for two people uh, is something we could afford all the time. But how fucking great are Canadian people just always where we needed them to be? Always gracious, always on top of it. I have people messaging me since they've been home. And to be able to be a part of something that was such a great experience. That I, James, look, we're a little jaded, right? I eat at Nobu like once or twice a year. To sit down with a bunch of people who had never been to Nobu before and may never go again. And who every single dish showed up were eyes popping out of their heads for how cool these experiences were. Man, it was just, it was such a great time. I'm so happy I got to be a part of it. Fantastic. Uh, well, look, let's stick with the Vegas theme because we do have some unfinished business from last week. We did talk on the last podcast about what we did in Vegas while we are in town for the Global Poker Awards, but we didn't really discuss the awards themselves. So let's run through most of the winners in the major categories. And we're going to start with the rising star in content creation. So this is someone who is a regular on the Run Good Poker series who plays regularly at the Lodge Poker Club and has really burst onto the scene in a big way in the last 12 months. Caitlin Komeski, welcome to the podcast. Thank y'all so much for having me. Caitlin, uh, I know it's early where you are, nine o'clock in the morning. You're in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, I was grinding at the Aria till midnight. I fell asleep about two. I woke up about 20 minutes ago, but I'm like super fresh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've got some character, some personality uh, in common. And so if you're anything like me, getting up at nine o'clock in the morning for a little extra camera time isn't a huge inconvenience. <laughs> I mean, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> also, you've won an award for rising star. So you have to rise out of bed to be part of. Oh, this. shit. I didn't know that was included in the contract. That's there we go. There we go. Congratulations, by the way, on the award. I know that Joe is super jealous because back in the day when he was still being nominated for stuff, they didn't have this category. <laughs> That's true. It's brand new. Uh, they created it to give it to me. So I'm the what's it? The trailblazer of the award, you know, setting the standard. If you want to win an award, you better get your phone out and 27 wigs. That's the standard. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second, the getting your phone out part of it, because there was a time when I did kind of like doing content and doing funny things here and there. But, uh, well, it was before, like I said, before there was really a name for it. Um, but now I feel kind of awkward pulling my phone out and like setting it up. And I don't know, like, what sort of, do you struggle with that at all? Like, with that um, so overcoming, that awkwardness of, like, putting yourself out there? I'd say the harder part for me is when it comes time for, like, the work to be received and hearing reactions for it. Like, the whole online discourse, like, people in the chat calling me, like, cringe Kameski or, like, come Slutsky, like, that stuff. Like, I'm just, like, a little tenderhearted. So that stuff, I can be a little bit of a baby about sometimes. I'm getting better over time the more I put myself out there. But the getting my phone out, having the idea, executing it, that's all still, like, fun part for me. Uh, that's still the the work that I enjoy. I'm actually out here in Las Vegas creating uh, a new 
like sketch show almost with my friend Nikki. And it's just, that's the part I love the, the creating something out of nothing, the new ideas. Uh, but yeah, the whole letting it be perceived part and letting myself, that's the part that sometimes is a little like, Wah. no, Wah. we, we, we should put this into context, right? Because you were nominated for another award, which was the video content award because you produced a video kind of playfully mocking the way that the internet reacted to the Robbie Jade Lou hand. And we mm-hmm. had a situation where Joey Ingram was nominated for an award for his investigative journalism, i.e. his millions of hours of live streams pouring over every insignificant detail of this hand. And then alongside it, you were nominated for ripping the piss out of that exact type of content. And it would have been amazing, amazing, had you won that instead of the actual genuine article. <laughs> no, they, they gave it to Greg goes all in. Greg, yep. It was Greg's year for that category. <laughs> yeah, so... And I really okay. did like his, too. When it came to a video like that, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but uh, I'm wondering... Um, were any of the people involved, did they receive it negatively? So no one has gone out of their way to like give me a hard time, block me on the internet, be like, I didn't appreciate that. With the exception of Luke Slave Rabel, <laughs> he had a very violent public reaction to not liking being called horny in my most recent piece. Uh, but in terms of the original content, no. For the mo- they're like a handful of people that didn't respond in any way. Yeah. And I kind of take that as they're, they really appreciate it. Um, fair enough, though, right? When it comes like to something like that. There are a handful of people where it's like, they don't retweet it, they don't comment, they don't like it. Yeah, and that's fine. That's their right to do it. If they, if they don't like the way that I'm exaggerating, you know, whatever quirk that they might be like insecure about, or they don't like that they said that, or, you know, that's absolutely their right. And I don't you know, expect for people to enjoy their impressions of me, but it certainly is a relief and a joy when they do. So when I was uh, trying to think of questions for this interview, uh, was I originally thought of the question, do you consider yourself more of a poker player or a content person? But just the tiny little bit of research I've done on you leads me to believe that it is a content person, but I still would like to hear the answer from you. Absolutely. So I'm kind of going through that transition now where I've been calling myself a poker player for the last two years. And now I just like the GPI gave me an award. I'm getting all this new like following and support and ideas. So I'm kind of shifting to like, okay, I guess I'm allowed to call myself a content creator first now. Because when most of my income was coming from poker, I guess it still is technically you know, it's just like, well, that's where I'm a poker player. But within the last like six to nine months, I really am trying to embrace the role of content creator and follow that part of my bliss and make that the main focus. Because poker is such a dirty lady. She's so mean sometimes. And oh yeah, uh, a lot of the good feedback and the good and the reinforcement that I'm getting is around my content. So I'm definitely trying to put that at the front of the priorities list and see what the universe has to offer. Am I to give that my whole heart, you know? Well, I have to congratulate you on choosing two specific sources of income that are incredibly difficult and require years and years of grinding before ever seeing a a nickel in actual profit between (laughs) 
um, web videos and poker are, I mean, <laughs> you realize that this is quite an uphill battle, right? hundred percent. I was blessed enough that I did really well in my first year of tournament uh, play last year. I made over a hundred grand playing tournaments. I got second place twice at these lodge events. So that, that was absolutely clutch and a lifesaver. And uh, yeah, I was blessed in that way. So uh, to get those poker results really early on and the year before that, I did really well in cash. So it kind of gave me the space and the time to get to do content, you know? How did you find your way into the poker world, Caitlin? So my dad taught me how to play Hold'em when I was, like, really young, like 10, 11. And so then when I turned, like, casino age, I think the first time I went into a casino was, like, 21, 22. And I played sporadically over my first years playing as a recreational poker. And then when I started um, doing bur- – I toured with a burlesque show as part of my story as well. So when I was touring across the country, whenever we we had days off or we were in a city with a casino or a poker room – I would always go to hustle because I wasn't getting paid very well for the burlesque show, like a hundred dollars a day per per DM or whatever. So I I would go and uh, grind to help out my income while I was performing. So and then I became like full time like two years ago. Yeah. So what is it that you think that drives you? It sounds like the performing came first. What is it that drives you? to want to be a performer i know it is for me but i'm always curious to talk to other people i think that was the original dream for me you know like i i went to nyu i have my um bfa in acting and i spent 10 years out in los angeles doing the comedy grind i was a stand-up and a student at the groundlings and I always had that passion, that drive to be the center of attention and to make people laugh. Like it feels good to make people laugh. I know, you know, just as well as anybody that there isn't like is immediate and blessing of feedback than just hearing someone laugh, making somebody laugh. I've always enjoyed that. And, uh, I think that's probably just it. I just, I've always gravitated to being the center of attention and, liking to make people perform and i like to be a silly goof and a silly ass and act a fool and yeah it's just always been a good fit (laughs) so so you didn't really i wouldn't say discover poker because obviously you knew it from a young age but you didn't really get into playing poker for any real stakes until after leaving los angeles Mm -hmm. how did you find la um you know the 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 comedy grind the groundlings thing i want to hear more about uh, the time that you spent in Los Angeles and what exactly led to your decision to, to leave? So trying to be an actress in LA is fucking painful. I won't mince yeah. any words about that. Like the things that grown men say to your face, like it's except, like there was a th- consistent piece of feedback I got. And this was when I was like 22 years old, like 125 pounds, like in my prime grown men would look me in the eye and be like, you're you're sexy but you're not beautiful you could never be the star and just like people say shit like that to you all the time like it's a truth like it's a fact so there is that part of los angeles which is like very dark and very degrading and very like it really really hurts you and then when i found stand-up in the burlesque world like i I started just doing stand-up in burlesque shows like in santa monica there's 
The Dollface Dames are still doing a show at Britannia Pub on Santa Monica Boulevard in downtown Santa Monica every Monday night. And there's Trip on uh, Lincoln Boulevard. Just I literally almost went to Britannia for an open mic last night. I was looking for a new mic to hit up. Ended up going somewhere in the Valley instead. But yeah, I know Britannia well. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll give you Kira's number and then you can get the stand up sets on their uh, their full stand up shows. That's that's you know, it's great. Um, but that was the part I loved. So like, and then the groundlings is, you know, all those comedy schools are a bit cultish and a little bit like taking themselves very seriously. It's like, we're the way to SNL. And if you want it, you know, and like, you got to like kiss the signet ring, you got to bow to the king and you got to let them tear you down. I had one teacher at the groundlings who just like, it was like his mission to knock me down a peg. Like he was like, I know everyone's laughing right now, but you didn't do it right. And you're an ungenerous performer. And, you're, and it's just like, oh, my God. So, yeah, my times in L.A. were were very frustrating. And then, like, another thing, when I decided to start writing and I was writing, like, screenplays and pilots and I would get these meetings and I just, like, I had no one in, in the entertainment industry in my family. And I was just, like, such an intense, like, artiste. I would get these meetings based on the strength of my comedy and my work. And then I'd get in the room and I'd be, like, a weirdo like I couldn't make eye contact I'd be wearing a weird outfit I was so like I was not good in the room so I could never like book a meeting get that job because I just like not all the pieces could come together so my time in LA had like definitely its frustrations uh the decision to move to Texas what or leave LA wasn't so much a decision decision is like I was just going through a health crisis and I talked about that on the Vertucci pod but it's not very easy to be funny talking about all that shit sure fair <laughs> enough well we won't make you go through that particular thing again <laughs> um, so now given the success that you've found and the adoration that you've received from the poker world and I know that there's obviously some hate that comes with it too it just comes with the territory do you think that the with the experience that you have now were, were you to get back in a room that you would be better that you would be able to take those meetings and if you had another crack at it oh a hundred percent I feel like I'm such a different person and poker has been so good for me in so many ways like I don't know if I'm ever gonna be like a Chrissy Foxen or Bicknell Foxen or a you know, a Vanessa Cade or one of these like super crushers that thinks one of these like huge giant events. I don't know if that's in the cards for me. Um, but the lessons that I've learned from poker in terms of just like emotion regulation, stress management, um, all these things that you absolutely have to have have been invaluable to my life. And I definitely think that were I to have another shot at Taking the and I mean I have you know had opportunities and meetings with people and I'm I'm a different person than I was before. I think when I was in LA and I was really struggling with booking those meetings, it was just it was too intense. I just thought like I you know you feel I felt like I had my whole life on the line and I was all wrapped up in anxiety and I just wanted to force it through and make it happen and I didn't know how. But poker teaches you patience in like a ton of different ways. So. Having had all those experiences and having the success that you've had both in poker content and in as a poker player, what do you want? Which which thing do you want now? Do you want to be uh, a Kristen F Bicknell Foxen or do you want to be uh, a Kara Scott? I would be lucky to be either of those ladies, first off. Um, 
I think I'm still kind of in the process of figuring that out. To be perfectly honest with you, I've put in a ton of work on my poker game. I've had individual coaching for a year now. I've played probably 200,000 hands online in the first year trying to get better. And um, so I've definitely put in the work that like being good at poker matters to me. That's like still where my main income is coming from at this moment, at this time. So absolutely, that is still an absolute like a real goal that I want to be the best crusher shark that I'm capable of being. And if that's in the cards for me, but I also am trying to listen to the universe at the same time and be like, okay, well, you got this award for content creation. You have all these people trying to collaborate with you. Like, let's follow that bliss. Let's follow that path and let's make the most of it. So it's really obnoxious to say both, but yeah, right now I still got like a foot in both, both paths. And we're going to see like, if I, if I get, huge if someone wants to put a patch on me to make content all day long and then i don't have to stress about grinding two five at the aria you probably won't see me grinding two five at the aria as often i can imagine when you say you're trying to figure it out i can imagine also that probably you kind of swing between the two as well you mentioned that poker Mm -hmm. can be a cruel game there are days we're like probably screw this I, I i i can't handle these swings i don't want to do this anymore and then there'll be other days where you might put out a great video and it might get no reaction at all or worse some asshole will basically mm-hmm. just make completely derogatory comments and it's like back to poker i can see how there is an alert to both and also both have their pros and cons 100 percent. i mean poker downswings like it's something that people talk about a lot and that people go through it's if you haven't had one where you don't feel like the world's could fall out from underneath you. You're going to go broke. You're going to lose everything. You're a joke. You're a fraud. You're a failure. Like you're not doing it right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's part of it. And with content, yeah, you're going to get the bad. You're going to get the occasional like trolls and stuff like that. And the bigger you get, the more you get. But I've steeled myself up for a lot of that stuff and i've quit reading live chats live chats are the worst there's nothing ever good happening in a live chat i just ignore those completely youtube comments is like a tiny rung up from that where maybe there'll be something nice and it's worth looking but probably not and then on twitter because i have the power to just like hide and block all comments i just i i utilize that choice and then that way i can stay creative and give ear listen to the people that are supporting me because you know if you only listen to the worst things that people say about you that's something that the human mind wants to do but it's not really that helpful (laughs) in being creative productive or a full kind human yeah there is this common falsehood that people still preach that if you put yourself out there if you are making content for public consumption that you in some way are fair game and should accept everything that comes at you that is complete and utter bullshit mm-hmm. and i think unfortunately, so I mean, you have to know who you are yeah I think that, look, I, I don't know. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I don't know what goes on inside your, your heart and soul. But you seem to handle things really, really well. I know that it sometimes it can be selective handling, right? That you're choosing the comments to reply to. Uh, and maybe sometimes it's because there are ones that you can cherry pick. And But from what I've seen, the way that you reply to people, it's always in a way that is uh, that doesn't let them see you sweat. 
Um, it doesn't seem as if you're bothered by these things, and I can really appreciate that about you. And I don't always respond super well to stuff, not because I'm personally offended, but because I um, am offended that this person exists. Not that they've hurt mm-hmm. my feelings, but I'm just like, how could you be such a shit person to be in this world fucking up life for everyone? And so I clap back pretty hard at people, but I just want to say I really appreciate your clapbacks that are witty and fun and like the ones that I see mostly that don't really show that your armor has been pierced. And uh, I, I'm just glad to know that you you do feel it sometimes. I don't want people to know that and therefore try to piece, pierce your armor. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, you you seem more impervious to it than help. most. Well, it's like, so everybody gets like there's certain things that people say or whatever. So calling me cringe is never going to hurt my feelings because it's like, yeah, I like put myself out there and I try. That's actually, that makes me cool. The fact that I try and I'm willing to fail and after failures, I'm willing to keep going. That's actually one of my best qualities. So no, you don't get to call me cringe and have that hurt my feelings. I don't care. And then like the physical appearance stuff, the like, oh, she looks thin here, but she's really fat or, oh, I bet she wants another cheeseburger. Like, first Oof. off, I've lost a little weight, so that hurts a little bit yeah. less the, the thinner and more in shape I get. But then also it's like people have been calling me overweight since I was five years old or like criti- critiquing my body. Like all women get it. Like the appearance stuff is just like, you know, and at all weights I've been I've been called overweight. When I was 130 pounds, I was um I did a guest spot on the Conan O'Brien show, like in as an audience bit or whatever. And I remember someone said I looked pregnant. And I remember being like absolutely so upset because I was 130 pounds at the time and someone thought I looked did he really think I looked pregnant? I don't know, probably not. I was skinny as a rail. But it so like the appearance stuff, it has more to do with just I feel like whoever's saying it and the hatred and hurt in their heart and how they feel about themselves. But um, yeah, it would be much easier to like be a friend in my life and hurt me by like betraying me or insulting me than like randoms on the internet. But when you're, when you're getting a lot of it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. By the way, audience, this is exactly the kind of shit I was talking about at the start of last week's podcast. And I remind everyone collective responsibility we all have to stamp this shit out. Um, I have one final question I wanted to ask, Caitlin. I understand that you had the opportunity to do commentary recently. Yeah, so um, I've done commentary a handful of times for the Texas clubs um, and really enjoyed that. And then um, WPT asked me to do commentary for their live stream during the uh, December series, the winter series. And that was a gas and a half. I got to meet Jeff Platt and I worked with him first. So I got to really see just kind of like how he makes the sausage in terms of how often he's coming in with the promo bit, how often he's talking about like anything the least bit analytical. And uh, I felt like we have a very similar style in the sense of like, we're not going to be trying to like break down the minutia of what's going on. Um, and then of course, Melissa is a really great friend of mine as well. I got to do commentary with her. So it's great to have that friend energy. I love doing commentary because they pay you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it, Caitlin. So if anyone wants me on the mic, I'm more than happy. <laughs> Caitlin, I had one last question. Then we have a dumb game for you. And if you don't, want to answer this it's fine because i really hate it when people ask me this question but as a funny person in the industry that i really respect a lot and i like your whole vibe um people always ask me they'll always come out to be like 
How do you feel as a comedian that you, you can't say anything anymore? Don't you think social justice warriors have ruined comedy? And I know what my answer to this is. And to be honest, I'm sick of answering it. If you are not sick of answering it, I am genuinely curious as to what you would say if someone were to ask you that. So I don't have a lot of... How do I say this? So, like, definitely I've pissed people off in terms of, like, the, oh, this wasn't, like, a socially acceptable thing for you to say or do. And then they, like, unfollow me or block me or say their little piece about it. But, like, comedy and poker have this thing in common about, like, risk, calculated risk. And a thing for me with doing these impressions and playing all the characters not everyone is a brunette, pale, white girl from Texas. And so, like, a line that I've been dealing with is, like, when I impersonate other people, of course, I'm never going to change my skin color. I'm never going to do anything. But I want to be respectful of the people that I'm impersonating. And there are certain impressions and certain people that I haven't, that I've worked on, but it hasn't made the final edit yet because I worry about how it'll be perceived. And I don't want to be like fucking Mickey Rooney and breakfast at Tiffany's, like just being hurtful (laughs) and like dark and gross, you know? So it's definitely something that I'm conscious of and I want to be respectful of. I don't want to do, you know, like horribly, uh, like unwith it content, but at the same time, it is about calculated risk if you're going to do anything worthwhile. So I definitely want to be respectful to like cultures and people and sexualities so, and like, so what you're that, saying is we're, a cu- we're still a couple <laughs> of months away from your kitty quo impression is what you're saying. We're <laughs> I've been working on some sashimi stuff. I've been working on some <laughs> sashimi stuff. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I'm looking forward to that. All right, Caitlin. So as a, as a rising star in content creation, it seems like, you'll really have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the poker world. So it's been a while since we've dusted off this old chestnut of a game. It's a game we like to call good for poker, bad for poker. And I'm going to name something and you just have to tell me if it's good for poker or bad for poker. Got it. And and remember there's, there's a right and wrong answer to each of these. So Am I, now, is it just like good for poker, bad for poker? You're not like telling why. And I'll just I'll just say whether you're right or wrong. I'll be like, oh no, sorry, that was bad for poker. No um, justification necessary. Just yep. go with your gut, and Judge Joe okay. will tell you whether you were right or wrong. Now, because this game is a bit of a cop out, it's going to re- really need some cool game show music under it. Giles, hook a brother up. Okay, would it be funny if he put in bad music right now? He wouldn't do that, lol. Okay, here we go. Is it good for poker or bad for poker? Live stream cheating scandals. Good for poker or bad for poker? Good for poker. Good for poker is correct. Yes. Question (laughs) number two. Big blind ante goes in first when you're short stack. Good for poker, bad for poker? Good for poker. Good for poker. Two for two. Cold water plunges. Good for poker, bad for poker? Bad for poker. Bad for poker. Three for three. Doug Polk's reading list. Good for poker, bad for poker. I haven't seen his reading list, but bad for poker. (laughs) Four for four. Here we go. Chinese spy balloons. Good for poker, bad for poker. Good for poker. (laughs) She's crushing it. I can't even believe it. 
the unadulterated pursuit of self-aware artificial intelligence. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. Bad for poker. <laughs> the state of Wyoming. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. <laughs> oh, I can't. I honestly, I, I'm not even joking here. She's getting every single one. John Wick 4. Good for poker, bad for poker. Good for poker. Good for poker. This is a tough one. The Jack of Clubs. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. The Jack of Clubs is bad for poker. This is insane. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. Bad for poker. I can't even believe she got, we got four more left. Apple AirPods. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. Bad for poker. This is insane. The Snyder Cut. Good for poker, bad for poker. The Snyder Cut of like a Marvel movie? Uh, of, yeah, the DC Universe. Yes, the Snyder Cut. Good for poker, bad for poker. <laughs> now I just want to get it right. <laughs> Good for poker. Good for poker. Oh, my God. Are we one away? Are we one We're away two from away. the board? We're two, two away. away. <laughs> but this one, this is, this one is going to really divide the room. Uh-oh. Dogs allowed at the poker table. Good for poker, bad for poker. Well, I know what I think. Bad for poker. Bad for poker! And the final question is, does Joe Stapleton hate dogs? Good for poker, bad maybe. for poker. Yeah, maybe. You no, you got him off. That's it. You got him. It's over. Congratulations. I'm not even joking. There was a right answer and a wrong answer to every single one of those, and you nailed it. Ran the fucking board 13 for 13. And I'm going to skip over the fact that you were deliberately trolling me by saying that the big blind ante going in first is good for poker. Oh, no. I meant it the other way. Sorry. I meant that I, I, I wrote it wrong. I wrote it wrong. I wasn't trolling you. Don't worry, James. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, congratulations on... The award, the amazing result in Joe's quiz. And thank you so much for getting up early and coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, y'all. And truly, I really am a big fan of y'all and y'all together. Like I told Joe when I met him at the GPI, like during quarantine, I probably watched like 40 hours straight of like PCA coverage throughout <laughs> the years. It's just like, like I hear y'all's voices in my head when I go to sleep. Like I'm not even joking. As I say to everyone who tells me a similar story i'm so sorry no no I'm not. the pleasure's I'm on not. i love it i'll take all the praise <laughs> our thanks once again to caitlin and a chance now to run through other winners at the fourth global poker awards winners we haven't discussed already joe final table performance dan jungleman kates having won the world series of poker poker players championship two years in a row um we, <laughs> we should jungle man was there yeah that jungle man did an interview before this award was announced which was perhaps slightly overlong and then gave an acceptance speech which was incredibly overlong and if it hadn't been for the intervention of joey ingram that acceptance speech may still be going on right now yeah i would say that it it started off people go like people us kind of looking at each other and being like okay this is um where is this going and then we realized it wasn't going a whole lot of places and joe gets involved and then jungle man kind of styled it out by the end and honestly it, it couldn't have been more jungle man i was it, it was very on brand for him uh comeback player of the year Phil Ivey, who was not in attendance that night huh. uh, poker icon 
Gabe Kaplan. And there can be no argument with this one. Gabe, very much an icon of poker. Someone who's been doing poker commentary for decades. The old World Series shows in the 1990s, more recent years, high stakes poker. And was it last year he finally stood down from HSP? Uh, I mean, you say last year, yeah, it would have either been like in December or like January of this year. Like it was only a couple of months ago that he said that he wasn't uh, wasn't really feeling it anymore. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm sad to see him go, obviously, because I am a fan. But also and I know this is going to make me sound terrible. I never I never got to meet him. He's like one of the few people like I would have really liked to just meet him and say how much I appreciate him and how funny I think he is. And it's it's too bad. He's he's a bit of a recluse. And uh, hopefully hopefully someday I'll still get to. Yeah. Um, a couple which I don't think there can be any argument with. Uh, Twitter personality, Will Jaffe. I love a lot of the stuff that he does on Twitter, the videos he posts. Uh, Rampage, Ethan Yao winning best vlogger. Uh, best streamer, Kevin Martin. It was his turn. I mean, let's be honest, best streamer, they do try and share the love, just as they do with best podcast, where obviously we've been a recipient in the past. This year it was Matt Berkey and the Only Friends podcast that won. Um, but I'll be honest with you, when Kevin Martin was on our books, I used to enjoy talking to him, having him as a guest commentator, having him as a podcast guest. Love Kevin, yeah. Don't watch a lot of his stuff these days, but knowing him as a former radio DJ and as someone with a good personality, I can imagine his streams are pretty good. So, well done, Kmart. Um, industry person Jack Effel and tournament director Ray Pulford, who, of course, is the TD at the win. And I think it's fair to say, Joe, that there was a lot of love for what the WPT did at the win in December. And let's be brutally honest, had any event other than the WPT World Championship at the Win Vegas won that award, it would have been a scandal because clearly this was an industry-changing event. As far as the 2022 schedule was concerned, no other event drew as much buzz and as much positivity as what the WPT did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's you know it's a big deal when we are recognizing it at you know our competition as being like, wow, they really got this one right. And uh and, and as far as the voters are concerned, they really got that one right too. As much as we say that some of these categories are very difficult to determine, um this was pretty clear cut. It's one of those things you didn't have to even be there to know that they absolutely knocked that event out of the park, which I hope to be saying about the PSPC next year at this time. By the way, just back to Rampage for a second. He also won the Fans' Choice Award for Poker Personality. Uh, best mid-major tour slash circuit event, the Run Good Poker Series. Is this three years in a row now? I think so, yeah. And it's hard to say, James, if they you know, if they invite me to their events because they're the best or their events are the best because I'm invited. It's really difficult to know which of those is the cause. It's a kind of a chicken or the egg thing. But congrats, Run Good. And of course, Haley Hockstetler, who's part of the Run Good team, won the award for best photo. Uh, there are two other media content categories. Written content went to Jennifer Shahadi um, on the Wall PokerStars Journal, roster. Right? Yeah. Her Wall Street Journal piece, absolutely. And uh, Greg Goes All In won the video award. So then we get to the last couple of categories, which were both also uh, public votes. We talked about live stream last week going to Hustler Casino Live. Best hand... I mean, it was obvious, <laughs> yeah. obvious what was going to yeah. win this award. And what I love is the fact that Robbie Jade Lou was there to go up on stage and collect this award. 
Yeah, and gave a not entirely unjungle man like <laughs> acceptance <laughs> speech that only Robbie Jade Lou could do. Look, th- something I guess is worth touching on a little bit is there are a lot of people that are pretty angry that Robbie was there. A lot of people pretty angry that this hand that's still like in their minds uh, in- under question could win for best hand. I think at this point, given that nothing definitive was proven, it has to be eligible for those things. We we have to accept. Uh, that these people are a part of the scene and that um, for better or for worse, Robbie is quite an interesting character. And the hand, even if, even if something had been proven, I think it still has to be eligible for hand of the year. It is the fucking hand of the year. The same way James Hardigan is the best broadcaster. There was no other fucking hand. And I'm sorry to say it because there were some other interesting hands. But there's just no way. And just to clear, clarify one last time, there has been no evidence. There is no proof that there was any wrongdoing in that hand Correct. whatsoever. Finally, the one I made the most noise about, the Fans' Choice Award for Best Trophy went to something that's not a trophy. The World <laughs> Series of Poker main event bracelet. And we had a wonderful speech from Jack Effel where he talked about the history of the construction of last year's main event bracelet, which was fascinating, but still <laughs> does not take away from the fact that a bracelet is not a trophy. I don't understand, James. I, this is I'm gonna I'm, I I can't I can't abide on this one. I agree with you on a lot of things. It's the spirit of the word trophy. It's the it's the award, the physical award that you're given. I mean, look, if you want to make it so that the World Series of Poker bracelet, uh, look, I I even if you're gonna say best trophy slash bracelet, it's not my favorite. Um, so I probably still would have voted for something else. Um, uh, you know what I was thinking is that um. Some of these categories, maybe, how, what do you think of this as a suggestion, right? So we say, you know, best trophy or bracelet, but how about instead of saying like best streamer or best vlogger or best broadcaster, it's recognition and streaming, recognition and broadcasting. Because that way you kind of, it makes it a little more, it, it does, when we say spread the love, right? We don't necessarily. You um, draft the email because yeah, I'm pretty sure no. if I say anything else no, you're done. about yeah, how you the. Can't. GPI awards need to reform. <laughs> Eric's going to punch me in the face with justification, by the way. Um, away from the awards, just wanted to touch quickly on a couple of other poker news stories. Straight off the back of EPT Paris, a lot of people then flew across to Vietnam where the Triton Super High Roller oh, yeah. Series has just concluded. And I don't know whether you saw, Joe, but plenty of people who we are very familiar with won events on the schedule. Nacho Barbero, Yan uh, Zarens, who we know as Graf Tackle on Stars, Orpenkis Sikoglu, Sam Greenwood, Mike Watson, many of the High Roller regs. I was thrilled to see that the main event which has a buy-in, by the way, of $100,000 US dollars. It's a 100K Super High Roller main event. Talal Shikurchi bested a field of 135 players to win $3.25 million. Talal, not a pro, but confirmed beast. Other finalists, just to give you an idea of who else was at that final table. Mateos, Holtz, Adams, Petrangelo, but it was Talal who took it down. For 3.25 mil. Good stuff, Talal. And uh, nice to see a little uh, redemption for Nacho Barbero, who I know was uh, reeling from his last final table and how things didn't really work out the way he had hoped. So cool to see Nacho lift a trophy there. And last but by no means least, um, the win millions was getting underway 
as we were leaving Vegas post-awards. Uh, they had a $3,500 main event, which had more than 1,300, 1300 entries, rather. And congratulations to Michael Rosito, who took it down for 600K. Before we close out this week's episode, let's get to this week's edition of Superfan vs. States and welcome Marlo Nielsen to the show, a.k.a. Lime Ricky. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice to see you today. What's up, Marlo? Marlo, are you still are you still streaming it? I remember um, back when I was streaming it a little bit, you were streaming it. What's happening in the streaming it world? <laughs> Well, for me, um, streaming has taken a little bit of a backseat. I'm doing a lot more moderating now, and I'm actually moderating professionally now, which is really Ooh. quite exciting, doing that on a part-time basis in addition to my full-time job, and um, assisting with some live stream media video production type stuff at the back end. So that's been a lot of fun. But I did stream back in December and do plan to stream for special events here and there when I can. So, so but I'm really making my mark with moderating more so now. Crucially, still very much in the Twitch streets. And this explains why yeah. you're one of those people who is constantly online on Discord. It doesn't matter what time of day it is, what day of the week it is, you are always green. Well, that's probably because I often doze off with my computer on a lot of the okay. time. So it actually looks like I'm online. There are rumors abound on Twitch that I'm actually a vampire because I never sleep. But that's not true. I do sleep. Vampires <laughs> do sleep, too. Just to correct that rumor about oh, vampires. That's true. They sleep during the day. That's right. OK, fair what? enough. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned a, a regular full time job. What is that? I mean, I know what I a full time job is. What is your full time job? I work in the IT industry in a human resources-based capacity. Of course you work in the IT industry. Otherwise, you would not be <laughs> eligible for Superfan versus Stapes. Um, of course. Of course. Remind us, Muller, what part of the United States of America are you from? I'm not in the United States of America. Oh. I'm actually in Canada. Good. I live in, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Fantastic. Good answer, because that means you're eligible to win a Sunday Million Anniversary ticket. And by the way, while we're talking Ooh. about the Sunday Million Anniversary, I should highlight that we are going to be streaming the final day of that tournament, which is going to be on the Tuesday rather than the Monday. I should also highlight um, that there is going to be a lot of tickets given away this coming weekend, this coming Sunday, the 19th. There are 500 seats guaranteed via satellites to the Sunday Million 17th anniversary. And in case you weren't aware, that anniversary is taking place on the 26th of March with our stream going live on the 28th. That's the wow. shilling done. Let's get to the Superfan quiz, which is about Duran Duran, a band right. from the 1980s slash 90s. Actually, they're still going strong today. A personal favorite of yours, Marlo? Yes, I have a long history with this band from the time I was a teenager to um, very recently uh, seeing them not only in live shows, but also uh, buying the albums, uh, watching the videos, following the band generally. Had an opportunity to meet them um, a couple of times, once in New York and once in Wales. So I uh, traveled wow. to see the band and had a lot of really exciting experiences um, based on my fandom of that band. So, so yeah. Marlo, I don't I don't want to age you, but are you a Duran Duran fan from back in the time where you would have to like go wait in line to buy tickets at a record store like that that kind of fandom? I 
I come from that generation, yes, where you actually stood in line and got a ticket. And when you were first in line, you actually did get the best ticket. This is an age that is long past, but I do yeah. come from that generation, yes. That's cool. That's cool. A true fan. Okay. Well, this quiz is not a Patrick effort. This is producer Chris, partly because Patrick was away, but mainly because Chris just wanted to nerd out with Duran Duran well, trivia. Also, Patrick <laughs> Patrick is a very young man and probably seems to us it'd be like at, you know doing a quiz on a band on the Victrola. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay, there are. Let me just double check. Yep, the usual ten questions, and you know the format, Marla. You get to go first, so you need to give me a number between one and ten. Um. Well, I really like the number four, so let's go okay. with number four. Let's go with number four. So basically, you have to take the options with here. So you do get the full two points even with the options because Ooh. the question is, which of these Duran Duran songs is not in a film, is not on the soundtrack of a motion picture? Is it A View to a Kill, Girls on Film, Hungry Like the Wolf, or Notorious? Okay, well, View to a Kill is obviously in a film because that was the James Bond film that like, they had their number one hit with. Girls on Film is in a film, and I'm, I'm trying to remember which one it is, but I can't at the moment. Um, and the other two were Notorious and Hungry Like the Wolf. Those are the other two options. Okay, well, I know Hungry Like the Wolf was in a TV movie. So... I'm going to have to say Notorious. Notorious was featured on the soundtrack of the movie Layer Cake. Hungry Like the Wolf features in Old School. Girls on Film does not appear on the soundtrack of a Shoot. film. Don't Shoot. worry. Okay. There's a long way to go. Trust me. Joe knows nothing about this band. This is going to be pure <laughs> try and pin the tail on a donkey type work from you, Mr. Stapleton. All I know is that the lead singer is also the uh, cinematographer from Indiana Jones, Jan DeBont. Okay, any number other than four, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I can come up with a number. I don't get a chance to do this very often. I would like to always come seven, please. Okay. <laughs> In 1993, Duran Duran released a self-titled album. What is it also Duran commonly Duran. known as? So, <laughs> I'll take the choices, please. Is it also commonly known as the Black Album, the White Album, the Wedding Album, or the Party Album? Uh, let's go with the party album. The wedding album. Ah. So a scoreless game so far. We go into the second round. As you know, four and seven no longer available, Marlo. Any other number can be picked. Let's go with number one. Number one. What is the name of the guitarist who joined Duran Duran in 1986? Which guitarist? Are we talking about the bass guitar or lead guitar? I don't know. Um, well, it would be whichever one joined in 1996. So 86. 86. 86. Okay, so... Lead guitarist. I'm informed by producer Chris. Oh, lead guitarist. lead guitarist? Oh, okay. Well, that's Andy Taylor. Would you like the options, Marlo? This is your <laughs> one mulligan. I mean, you can give me the options if you like. Okay. Sure. Is it Warren Tuturello, Tom Gugliotta, Joe Stranieri, or Paulie Walnuts. Oh, we're talking... Okay, wait a second. 1986. Okay, so this is post... Okay, wait this a second. post John so Taylor. So this is... 
This is post John Taylor. Okay, well then it's Warren Cucciarello. It is for a point. There we go. Right, we're on the board. This is good. Joe, which number do you want next? Number one, please. Which just went. Number two, please. There is a band member of Duran Duran who shares the same name as a member of Queen. Who is it? It's not Freddie Mercury. There's a Brian. Brian May. No, it's Roger Taylor, brother of John Taylor, who came up in conversation a short while ago. Uh, next round, what have we still got? We've got three, five, six, eight, nine, and ten. Let's try number eight. Number eight. What is Duran Duran's highest selling album? Okay, so Rio was the second album. Seven and the Ragged Tiger was the third album, and that album was massive. Like, that was their global coming out party album. So I'm going to have to say it's Seven and the Ragged Tiger. You've already used your mulligan. Seven and the Ragged Tiger and Rio both sold 2.9 million plus copies. Arena sold <gasps> 3 million plus <sighs> copies. So Arena oh, no. was the answer I was looking for. The um, Poker Stars Arena. <laughs> Joe, three, <laughs> five, six, nine, or ten? Three. Okay, you have to take the options here. Which band okay. started first? Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, The Cure, or New Order? That's a hard question. I'm leaning toward The Cure and New Order. I'm going to go with New Order. New Order actually started in 1980. The Cure started in 1977. Um, there is a bonus, but as you got the main question wrong, that means the bonus goes to Marlowe. One of the bands I just listed was previously known as Joy Division. Which one? Oh, oh that's New Order. That is New Order. You get the bonus point. Um, and it's your question. You can have five, six, nine, or ten. Let's go with number 10. Number 10. In 2022, it was last year, Duran Duran were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who hosted the ceremony? Oh, Lord. Multiple choice options really are available. Question. Okay, give me the options. Okay, was it Robert Downey Jr., Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, or Judd Nelson? Say them again. Robert Downey Jr., Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, or Judd Nelson? I'm going to say Robert Downey Jr. Which is correct for a point, and you have a 3 nothing lead. Joe, your penultimate wow. question can be 5, 6, or 9. I'll do 5. Simon Le Bon, that's the name of the lead singer. Simon Le Bon did a duet of Ordinary World with which famous singer? You can take the options if you'd like. I'll take the options. Was it Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus, Luciano Pavarotti, or Elton John? Mm, Elton John. It was Pavarotti. 
Final round. Yeah, I knew that Six one. or nine. For me? Yeah. So which ones are the six, nine, and what was the other one? Just six and nine. We're into the final round. Oh. Only two questions left. Okay, let's take number six. Okay, again, I'm going to give you the options regardless because you have to say which of the following it was not. Uh, Duran Duran performed at the American leg of the Live Aid concert. Which of these songs did they not perform? Union of the Snake, Save a Prayer, The Reflex, or Wild Boys? This was at Live Aid? Yes. What year was Live Aid? <laughs> so many fob questions. This is not. Look, Marlo's going to beat me anyway. This is ridiculous. She's just sneaking in fob questions. Okay, oh, which I'm going, guitarist? I'm going, okay, so I'm going to say the reason I'm going to give this answer is I'm going to say Union of the Snake because, as I understand, when Andy Taylor left the band, there were some copyright issues with the writing on that record. And for that reason, for several years, they did not perform Union of the Snake. You did not know this was an essay answer, did you? <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the logic. Sadly, the answer was Wild Boys. Um, Joe, <laughs> let's see if you can get a point. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Where did Duran Duran get their name from? Multiple oh, choice options are available. No, 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 Marlo. I've, I kind of have a shot at this. I will take the choices, please. <laughs> is Duran Duran the name of a character from the film Barbarella, the name of a character from Doctor Who, the name of a French fashion magazine, or it doesn't have any origin, they just thought it sounded cool? I'm going to go with they, sounded, they thought it sounded cool. No, it's the villain in the film Barbarella. So, <laughs> unfortunately, Joe, you have put up the proverbial egg. Uh, Marlo, only three points, but three is enough. And a win is a win. And that means you have conquered Joe Stapleton. That means you are going to get a Sunday Million Anniversary ticket, plus some Poker oh in the Year's merch. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so great. I'm actually a little disappointed in my showing, um, considering my super fan status. But these were actually very tough questions. So my shout out to your producer for coming up with that amount of trivia. I'm going to say there's, there's, there's a Patrick quiz. There's then a producer Chris quiz. Just be grateful it wasn't a Jimmy the Bastard quiz because that one okay. would have been a scoreless <laughs> game and it would have come down to the tiebreaker. I can tell you that if it had been a James quiz, I would have done just as well. 100%. <laughs> Marlo, thank you very much for volunteering your time. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. You guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. S see you, Mar Mar Marlo, Mod Marlo, Marlo, Mod. Okay, I'm working on it. <laughs> Just go with Lime Ricky. It's so much easier. I hear that name more often these days anyway. So all, all right. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Lime Ricky. Bye. Take care. All right, my babies. We're just about out of time for this week's show. Coming up next time, we are finally getting to our movies and TV wrap up, but it'll be worth the wait. We've had some great guest reviewers in the past. I don't know if you remember, but I know you remember, James, but audience. Yes. Uh, James, Jessica Wellman. Neil Farrell. Neil Farrell. Sam Greenwood. Yes. Well, no offense to those folks, but this time we really went for the A-lister. Our guest reviewer next week, Phil Galfond. Cool. Is going to be on the show to talk movies and TV with us. Also talk about his newfound Twitter personality, all the new stuff he's been working on. That was a small, a small, 
teeny tiny little asterisk with Phil. He has jury duty that week. Oh, for fuck's sake. So you remember a lot of times jury duty, you don't get called in or if, you know, by Wednesday it's over. Okay, so, so we need we need some we need some run good basically next week. We yes. need Phil Galfon to fade being called up for jury duty on the Wednesday that we record the show, so he can be our guest yes. reviewer in our movies and TV special. And I don't know if uh, Phil's run good. You know, Phil runs pretty good at life. If that'll yeah. spill over to us, or if he's due for a bad beat, I'm not really sure how that one's going to pan out. But we're fingers crossed we'll have Phil Galfon on next week. Also, the week after that, and this is something that's been a long time coming, two weeks from this episode, legendary music producer, engineer, two-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Steve Albini will be joining us on the podcast. And I do not throw the word legendary around. I think it is overused. But Steve is a legend, He's one of those guys that when non-poker fans find out I'm friends with Steve Albini, they are baffled that I know him. I am not the biggest music guy. I'm going to have to do some research for this one, but I know that when I see this name, people right now are like, what? Steve Albini is going to be on the show? So if you have questions for Steve, get him into the Discord because I would love to ask you. He's just a guy I play poker with, but to some people, they're like, holy shit, that guy's a fucking legend. Thank you for bringing up Discord, Joe. We always put the link to the Pokestars Discord server in the podcast description. And we do want you to join the conversation, suggesting questions for future guests, talking about the show just gone, and of course, those all-important superfan applications. We've had a fair few. I'm getting people booked in for the next few weeks. I think we might be full now, up to and including Monte Carlo. So we're looking at May onwards, but that's fine. I like planning ahead. Had some good suggestions for specialist subjects, Party Down has now been taken, has now gone. Are we having fun yet? So, yes. Uh, Click on the link in the description if you're not already a member of the PokerStars Discord server and check out the dedicated channels to the podcast, the main one being podcast discussion. All right, that's how you do it. And that is all of the time for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. (laughs) 